ever noticed that in every movie, in every book, every comic strip, every comic book, there's always a good guy and a bad guy. Even in the old westerns, you, you see there's the good guys and the bad guys, even to the point that the good guys always wear white, and all the bad guys always wear black. And even in the older movies, you could see when they come walking into the frame, you don't even have to know who they are in the plot because you can recognize them by this. And you're like, oh, I, there's the villain. And you see the, the, the struggle and the, where they pit them against each other. And usually there's just everybody over here is trying to do their own thing and live life and they're just not bothering anybody. And here comes this maniacal genius that's trying to come in and mess everybody. And think about Superman. Think about Batman. Think about all the different once there's always good and evil we're no different in real life in fact even in the bible it describes this in john chapter 10 verses 10 it says this is jesus talking the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy but i jesus have come that they may have life that we may have life and have it to the full. And, and if you've been around here any length of time, this is one of my favorite scriptures. You'll hear this over and over and over again because I believe this is the core of how we have options in our life. God wants us not to just live, not to just exist, but to have life to the full, completely to the full. But we also see that there's a villain. There is an enemy who's here, and his only goal, just like in the cartoons, just like in the comic strips, just like in the movies, he's just coming to kill, steal, and destroy us. But we have the good guy, that he has the exact opposite. He wants you to live a life to the full. This whole month, we're doing a series on guardrails. The first week we did um, bowling and we talked about bowling and how there's the pin set there and you've got the gutter on either side and you've got to just try and aim right to hit the right place and last week we looked at the the battle is in the mind and we've got to set up guardrails to keep our mind in the right place that we're not falling in the gutter on either side with that as well and this week we're talking about another guardrail. But the interesting thing, and here's the logo that we've got and the, the picture that we got off the internet of, of guardrails. And you see, everyone knows what a guardrail is and you see them. And now that I'm doing this series, I see them everywhere, of course. But you've got the regular lane of travel and then you've got the shoulder. And the shoulder's usually big enough that a car could actually pull over to the side. And, and then the guardrail's here. And then there's even lots more over to the other side. Our theme verse for this whole series comes out of Ephesians 5, verses 15. It says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days when there's evil going on around you. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And I love this, don't act thoughtlessly. Don't just act without any thought going into what you're doing. You need to put intentionality. You need to think about all the different things in your life, put them in their place, and make decisions understanding what it is the Lord wants you to do. Now, if you've been here for any of the times you've heard this and you're going to hear it over and over again, guardrails, the definition is literally a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. 
So that can be oncoming traffic to keep those cars from coming over and getting into coming straight at you. Or it can be sometimes to keep you from getting over to them. Usually you'll find these in bridges, medians, and curves. And this is just kind of what we see in the natural. Guardrails are created to guide and protect. That's the whole purpose that they're there. Now, you may have never thought about that before. You just think they're there to protect you from going off. But it's actually to guide you. It's to show you the right way to live. The other thing you'll notice that we've talked about every week is that guardrails are always placed in the safety zone. So even as I showed you the picture earlier, that it's not in the place. You're not like going off the cliff the next second. But there's actually room over here. So it's placed in this zone that is safe. There's not anything. But it's also meant to minimize damage. So if you went off the cliff, you're going to end up at the bottom of a ravine. You're going to end up in the gutter. You're going to end up in this bad place and possibly even lose your life or have serious bodily injury. But if you hit off the guardrail, you might have some front end damage. You might have some few things, but it's not catastrophic for you. Guardrails are meant to minimize damage. Now, of course, in, um, we're talking about vehicles now and lanes of traffic, but it's not just cars and lanes of traffic that needs guardrails. Our lives also need guardrails, which is why we're doing this message. You see, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand. We need to think about the different areas of our life, and we have to look at the different areas that we can also put guardrails in. But our culture doesn't encourage guardrails. They don't like hard, fast things that you're going to put up there. If you say, hey, I'm not going to watch this movie if it's PG, um, higher than PG-13, or if you say, I'm not going to do this, or I choose not to do this, they'll make fun of you, but they'll be the first ones to make fun of you when you end up in the ditch. They actually don't like guardrails at all. They'd rather be content with painted lines. They want to say, man, just do whatever you want to do. You just make up your own world. And however, whatever will be, will be. And and that's not actually good. But as we saw, guardrails are put in the safe zone, in the safe area. Imagine if the guardrails was already in the place where you don't want to end up, it would be of no value. But now as we head into another lesson as we're looking at this, I want you to realize that a guardrail is really, in what we're talking about, the context is a personal law, if you will. Not something that someone else is putting on you. Not anything that I'm telling you, you've got to do this, or this is how you should do it. This is something that I'm drawing your attention to not live thoughtlessly, but to put intentionality, to look and say, okay, now, How do I want to apply this to my own life? See, it's guidelines that you place for yourself or you learn from the word of God. I don't have the right to tell you what your guardrails should be. No one else has the right to tell you what your guardrails should be. A guardrail is something I establish for myself, again, to guide and protect. To guide and protect me. Another definition of guardrails when it applies to my life is a standard of behavior becomes a matter of conscience. A standard of behavior becomes a matter of conscience. We're trying to put things in our life that help us. It should be, when it comes to our conscience, it should be like bells and whistles going off. They go, whoa, 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 you're heading into a danger zone. Whoa, 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 you don't want to go here. 
Watch out for this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not catastrophic. You've not even maybe sinned. You haven't even caused a problem. It's just like, oh, hold on. It's like the, the first thing before you hit the guardrails a little where they dig out the road and it goes da 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 as you're driving your car. It's like, whoa, wake up. Hold on. Watch out. That's what we're trying to do. We also looked at my and probably your greatest regrets looking back. If we could jump into a time machine, we'd go back and go, man, I could avoid that if I'd have paid attention to little things that are popping up here that I just was completely oblivious to. So if we put guardrails in, we can possibly, most likely, certainly avoid more pitfalls in the future. Last week, we looked at the principle that Jesus was talking about um, that you know you're not supposed to commit adultery. And he says, but even beyond that, let me tell you another level that God's more concerned about what's going on in your mind, what's going on in your heart, than what your physical actions are. He says, yes, you shouldn't do that. That's one of the Ten Commandments. Don't commit adultery. But I'm telling you, if you look on a woman with lust, you've committed adultery. Whoa, wait, that changes everything. And we, we talked about that in great detail. And as tempted as I am to go back into that, I'm not. If you want to listen to it, if you missed it, you can go onto our website. The podcasts and the videos and all that stuff are there. But we see that God is so interested in our heart. The things that motivate us, the things that make us tick, the things that make us live. Because what does Jesus want us to have? Life to the full. We saw there's several areas of guardrails, and that's what we're going through in the course of this whole month. That there's moral guardrails, there's relational guardrails that we'll talk about next week, and perhaps guardrails for our professional lives. And then there's financial guardrails. And that's really where we're landing today, and that's what the focus is on this morning. We're going to look at financial guardrails. But hold on, let me just stop the presses. This is not a message about giving. This is not a message about you got to give to the church. It's not about taking offerings. It's not about that at all. This is about living life to the full. God is wanting us to be concerned about all the different areas of our lives. Now, I can tell you as a pastor for 30-something years now, dealing with people and talking to them and having them come into the office and their lives are in shambles, there's two areas that you end up Always coming down to those two areas as the number two things that cause people to have problems in their lives. You know what they are? Sex and money. Without a doubt. I mean, by far, those two things. But those are the things we usually don't talk about in church. It's like, I'm going to turn a blind eye. But yet, those are the number one things we have. That's the purpose of this morning is to talk about what God wants us to look for financial guardrails. Again, it's about you placing the guardrails where you want to put them. During this past week, during the 21 days of prayer, as I said, we're in day 15, we're going to make it. We've been looking at the Lord's Prayer, of course. It's part of the Pray First um, prayer book that we've got. And if you don't have one of these, they're in the back. Um, If you're watching online, send me an email and we'll be happy to mail you out one. But it's taken out of Matthew chapter 6, where the disciples came to Jesus and the only place they asked him anything, they said, teach us how to pray. 
They didn't say, teach us how to multiply the food. Teach us how to do this over here. The only thing that was recorded that they asked Jesus to teach is teach us how to pray. And you know the the Lord's Prayer. It's really a disciple's prayer. But you know that probably by heart if you've been around church at all. Our Father which art in heaven. He gives them this whole model of what to do in Matthew 6 starting in verse 9. It's where it starts off with our Father. But just as we're having a conversation, I've now been speaking for about 15 minutes. It's the same way. I've covered some things. I hit another thing, and now I'm here, and then I'll keep going. I've got different things. Jesus was in that same way, having a conversation, having a same teaching. In verse 9, he taught them, our Father which art in heaven. In verse 24, he continues on, and it's all the same thing. And here's what he says. No man... No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the other, to one, and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Whoa, how do you get from the Lord's Prayer to money? But that Greek word where you use there literally means stuff. You can't serve God and stuff. But just like last week, we saw Jesus says, it's not about even what your actions are. It's more about what's going on in your heart. Because where your heart is, you'll lead your actions. It's the same thing when it comes to money. It's not the focus in the scripture. isn't about money. It isn't about cash. It isn't about that. It's not about money. It's about mastery. Whose master do you serve? Whose control are you under? Whose ownership? I saw an image on Facebook this, week, this past week, a little meme. And it has this hand sticking out like this. And it says, if the church says that money is evil, why do they keep asking for it? Oh, that caused me so much inner grief. And I wanted to post on there. I wanted to write a whole thing. And I knew what this message was going to be this week already. So I just wanted to blast them and put my entire sermon notes on there. But I resisted the urge because it's not going to be profitable. But it's not even that God says that money is evil. It's not even that it says money is the root of evil. It says the love of money. It's about the heart. It's about that issue of woes in control of your life. The reason we need guardrails in the area of finances and money is money and what money promises. Money and what money promises. Money and what money promises is the chief competitor for your heart. Think about that. Money and what money promises is the chief competitor for your heart. It's the number one competition for ownership of your heart and my heart. See, it isn't about if you're covered up in bills, maybe even declared bankruptcy, you've lost everything, or maybe you are on the other side of that, that you've got so much money, your bank is just overflowing, you've got it in multiple banks, and you've got more money coming in every year than what you need, and you're just, you'll never have to worry about anything. You could even be the one who knows the most and should be teaching classes on financial independence and security and all those things. It's not about that. It's about ownership. You see, because even as we looked at the different things when it came to hitting the mark, or last week, which gutter you could end up in, there's two gutters when it comes to finances as well, and I bet you've never thought about these. Number one gutter is the consuming gutter, 
where I've got to spin, spin, spin. I've got to upgrade, upgrade. I've got to do all this stuff that I just, if I've got money, it's going to go out as quickly as it comes in. But then the other side of that is, I don't know what, what's going to go on. So I'm going to hold on to my money. I'm not spending a dime. I'm just going to just like, the best way to double my money is to fold it up and put it in my pocket. And that's just, you know, I'm going to keep it. It's not going anywhere. See, one is unbridled desire. Consume, 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 upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. I've got to have the latest. I've got to have the greatest. The other one is unbridled fear. What if I don't have enough? What if I, I can't make it? What if? And you live in what if world. See, you've got two different gutters that you can end up in, unbridled desire or unbridled fear. But both of them have a root cause that is the same. It's a word we don't like. And I did not put the, this part of the message on Facebook. I didn't do a, a post on it because if I told you this, nobody would show up to church. Nobody would watch the stream because none of us like this word. In fact, when we're looking in the mirror to even do introspection, well, introspection you, you don't really think, look for this in our lives. And that word is greed. Even if I say that, you're like, and when we think of greed, we think of the green monster. We think of, you know, someone that's like Ebenezer Scrooge is like, ah, but greed, as Andy Stanley defines it, is this, the assumption that it's all about my consumption, the assumption it's all about my consumption. If it's placed in my hands, it's for me. If it shows up in my checking account, it's for me. If it's part of my paycheck or my bonus, it's for me. If it's part of my retirement, if it's anything that comes into me, that's all for me. And hey, if I decide to give something, that's out of the goodness of my heart. Look how good I am. I'm putting that money in this. I'm donating over to here. There's flood relief. There's this, that, something else. Oh, look at this. Or like if you're a church and the offering bucket's passing, you're like, oh, wait, look at this. God, I'm taking my time to put this in here. I hope you're looking. Did you see? Did you see? Did you see? I put money in the plate. It's not about that. But our whole focus can be on me. Consume now. I'm spend, spend, spend. Consume later. I'm hoarding because I don't know what the future holds. I don't know. But you see, the danger is if you live that way, even if you're not a Christian, if you say, hey, I'm new to this Christianity stuff, or I'm in for another religion, it's so easy to fall into that thing. Because what you're really saying is, it's all about this life is all there is to it. Whatever there is for right now, that's all there is. But what happens when you get into trouble? get a letter from the IRS. You get somebody that sues you or you got this different situation. What does everybody do when all of a sudden there's none of money in their bank account or maybe all these problems happen? Everybody goes, oh God in heaven, please help me. Please help me with this thing over here. God, I don't know where I'm going to get this money. I don't know how I'm going to pay rent. I don't know how I'm going to do this or I don't know how I'm going to make that or something else. And our first response is just to get down on knees and pray. You're asking God to get involved with your problems. Even non-believers pray when there's terrible tragedy that comes into happening, when there's trouble going on. You see, the problem is if you live the way I described earlier, where it's spend, 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 or hoard, 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 you living as if there is no God. But when we get into trouble, that's when we look for God. But what if we were able to avoid that? Remember we said our greatest regrets looking back could have been avoided if by 
paying attention to signs that we got or we missed? What if we had had guardrails that we could have fixed those things? If we could go back in that time machine and say, don't do this, there, make this decision, buy Apple stock, buy Microsoft stock, buy Amazon stock. I mean, think about it. What the things we could change our entire life. What if we set up guardrails for our finances? Which one will you be? Because there's two. Either one, I'm going to be tied up with stuff. Pursue more and more and more. He who has the most toys in the end, they win. It's an appetite. And appetites are never satisfied. I can eat now, and then a few minutes later, I'm opening up the refrigerator like, what else is there in there to eat? Oh, go into the cupboards and say, what's in here? Hey, do we have ice cream? Let's go to the store and get ice cream. You're never satisfied. You're never fully and finally satisfied. You never have that one meal. You say, okay, I'm never eating again. I'm satisfied. That was it. No, nope, I'm done. It's always there. That's the consuming thing. It's like, I got to have more. I got to have more. I've got to have this. There's nothing wrong with getting things if the things don't have you. The other side of that is hoarding. Man, I can't trust tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, I'm not sure this economy with this president or who's the next president or this Congress or, oh, the government shut down. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And I can't trust hoarding. Years ago, when Lenore and I first got married, we went to a counseling session, and, and the, the counselor was, was talking to us, and she did our personality profiles, and she told me, she goes, you have the same personality profile as my husband. She goes, even though he is so wealthy now, and he had some really good things happen to him with the computer business, and he has more money than he'll ever need, she goes, he can't get past in his mind that he may lose it all tomorrow. He may be in the poorhouse next week. She's like, you've got that same personality. But God is able to help us go through that and go past that and get to the other side. But God desires that we trust him in every area. His goal is not for us to consume, consume, or hoard, hoard, hoard. Those are the two gutters on either side of this road. But the roadway he really wants us to live, living life to the full. Remember, that's our goal. Um, John 10, 10, living life to the full. What if we were able to put a guardrail in our finances that helps us live life to the full? See, most people live in a worldly perception when it comes to finances. This is how it goes for them. I'm going to live, I'm going to save, and I'm going to give. This is the order they go in. I'm going to live because, baby, it's all about me. It's life right now. Once it's over, it's over. You only live once, all right? And then I'm going to save. I'm going to maybe put some money to the future. And I'm going to give whenever I want to. Or if, boy, look how good I am. I gave out some money. This is a worldly concept. This is a worldly order. But when this is your reality, you're susceptible to what I've been describing, to hoarding or splurging. God wants us to live in a different system. See, earlier in that whole thing of Matthew 6 that I talked about, it's one big message that God is giving. He continues now with the next thing. In verse 31, he says, don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? 
Don't get caught up in this consuming or hoarding because I don't know how it's going to work out. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. See, dominates these thoughts is how the world lives. That is the default that we will just drop into and it's just easy, easy, easy. You do not have to do anything to end up in that thing with those things dominating your thoughts. But here we see in verse 33, but seek the kingdom of God above all else first and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom of God first. Verse 9, so this is verse 33, 31, 32, and 33. It started off, and I started off the message talking about that, where the disciples asked Jesus to pray. And almost everybody knows the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Almost everyone knows that. But I want us to look at, as we tie into all of this stuff, that Jesus is saying, pray to the Father that the way it is in heaven will be in my life on this earth. He then goes on to tell us, don't be a master to stuff. And God, you got to choose. Which economy are you going to live in? Are you going to live in God's? Or are you going to live in the world's? And follow stuff. And then he says, seek first the kingdom of God. In order for us to live with heaven coming down to earth, we have to switch it up a little bit. So where it said, live, save, give. God says, give, save, and live. See, this is the worldly standard. This is how the world says we're going to live. This is the default. God says, seek me first. Even when it comes to tithes and offerings, and even if you're not a Christian or you're you're new to all this, and you're like, man, I don't know if I'm ready for this. As I told you, this isn't about church money. It's not about getting money for the church. This is about living. The way to live and where you want to set your guidelines up, where you want to set your guardrail up. But if you start off and saying, hey, the first part of my check, I'm going to jump into God's economy and I'm going to give. Now, Christians, we know from following Christ that we're supposed to give 10%. It's a percentage, not, a, not a, 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 just a single bill or a tip or whatever. But even if you're not ready to jump into the 10% or what if you did a percentage the first percentage you gave, whether it's to the church, it's not about this church or anything else like that to a good, your cause, whatever it is that you're giving first. Then you save and then you live. You see, you can avoid the pitfalls. You're still saving. You've got the future covered. You're being wise. But you're not being controlled. You're living life to the full. Remember our, our theme verse for this, if Jesse can put that back up. Nope. The next one, please. 
Be careful how you live. Verse 17. Don't act thoughtlessly. I'm asking you to put thought into finances. Next week we'll be talking about another thought. We'll be talking about relationships. Put thought. How am I going to live? Do I want to live, save, and give? Or do I want to give? Start that. That's the first thing. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave us the first example of giving first. We have the great value of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And tomorrow is day 17, uh, day 15, 16, sorry. We're going to finish strong. And I encourage you, if you haven't been here this in any of the other days yet, I encourage you to try and make it out this work. We're going to blow it up. It's going to be, we're going out strong. And I've got some surprises coming up. It's going to be a great, great week. I'm so, so excited about it. Jump into that. If you can't be here, watch the stream. You can always go back and watch the stream anytime within the 24-hour period up there. Just join in with that. It, it, it's not, it, you think praying for an hour, oh my gosh, how in the world can I do that? It really is not hard. It really is very, very cool. And with the prayer guide, it, it just works out really easy. And remember, the guardrails that we're talking about are personal. They're stuff you decide. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not making decisions for you. I'm saying we're going to live on purpose. Lastly, my challenge is invite God into your finances before disaster. Don't be the person on their knees going, oh God, how is this going to work out? God, I need your help. I need you to come into my finances now because it's all going bad. It's like, how about we do this ahead of time? Invite him in. Jump into how he says to live. And we avoid the pitfalls on either side. If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Missing the mark we talked about two weeks ago and what's going on in our heart and our minds last week and this week about finances. Are all things where God is teaching us how to live revealing to us how his desire is, his kingdom on this earth as it is in heaven. There's some great principles, even if you don't know God or don't want to be a part of any of that, but the best things come when you're in a relationship. And everything begins at God with a relationship. Every week, I want to always make the opportunity, because I don't know who's watching, and I don't know who's listening and all the different places that we're at. I don't know where you find yourself this morning. You may say, I, I'm new to this church stuff. I've never heard any of this kind of stuff before. Church is not at all what I thought it was going to be like. You might say, I've never accepted Christ. I've never tried to give God a shot. This whole following His plan is all new to me. Or you might say, you know, I used to have a relationship with God. If I'm honest, I'd say I'm far from God. This morning, you can make the greatest personal decision to accept God. And you don't have to understand it all. None of us understand it all. We just are taking the next step and the next step. If that's you this morning, I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm not calling anybody to the front. It's between you and God. 
because it's a personal relationship. I'm just going to help you with the words for a prayer. If you want to, today's your day. Just simply pray this. Say, God in heaven, thank you for sending your son to die in my place, to pay for my sins so I don't have to. I ask you to forgive me for living my life without you, for trying to do it on my own. Jesus, please forgive me. I surrender everything to you. Be the Lord of my life. Be number one. In the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you. Today, I give you my life. Father God, I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer for the first time or another time. Lord, I pray that you will just meet them there. And I know you're just anxiously waiting for us to reach out to you. But Lord, I pray for all the rest of us, Lord, for everybody in the sound of my voice. Father God, as we have seen this guardrail of finances this morning, as we've seen the option of waiting to be in desperate places and call out to you or to call out to you in advance to get you involved in our lives. Lord, we saw how you want us to live and how it's opposite of the world. God, I pray that even I'm not the only one challenged by this, but we're all challenged by this. And whatever the guardrail is, whatever the place that we all individually determine to place, to say, hey, this is where I want to be. Lord, that we'll make decisions that change our destiny and we will not have regrets that we look back later and say, I wish I'd have done this. Lord, I pray you help us to understand that. Lord, as we go through this week and we get ready for next week, Lord, that you will show us through your word the next guardrail, the things we have to worry about, the things we need to be concerned about, that we don't live thoughtlessly. But Lord, we put intentionality. Lord, I give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray.